Welcome to the Football 360 Show, coming at you live on X, YouTube. Audio versions are going to be heard on Apple as well as Spotify. And as always, you can catch us on football360show.com and our social medias. Mine is JP Rock MO. Matt is on his phone trying to look his up right now. Uh, yeah. And Instagram, <laughs> Instagram is JP Rock Scout U. Uh, Instagram, it is Elite Football Academy, and then Elite Football on X. Right. And uh, on X, it's uh, Football 360 Show, as well as on YouTube as well. And the uh, the Gram. And uh, the Gram, I, I just have to keep, I, I can't keep up with Matt's reels. The reels are coming at you. If you don't catch fast. the show, you're going to catch the reels. Coming, coming fast. Up, coming fast and hard. And, of course, everybody loves, loves the reels on Instagram. Wouldn't you say that, that kids are just like live on Instagram, well, not live streaming, but they're like on Instagram 24-7. It, I would say that of, of, of all the different uh, platforms, that one, I think they socially they do a lot of things uh, right. Snapchat-wise, but oh, yeah. uh, I think there's a lot of... Uh, well, Snapchat's probably replaced the phone because yep. kids, and it really kind of blows my mind. It's like, did, did, you know, they expect the snaps like yeah. all day long, you know. I don't understand the snap deal. Did it for a second. Me either. Just to kind of spy on my kid for a minute. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know yep. what, are you, what are you doing on there? And I was like, I was boring. Yeah. So I, got I don't really, that's something that really I never, never caught on to. But you know what? It is, it, I would say TikTok. We have quite a few TikTok views on TikTok. And we, Instagram. They, yep. Yeah. And uh, there's a good good number of uh, people too. So there is a three, six, football 360 show TikTok. Uh, it's on the Elite Football one, okay. but it's going to migrate to that. But yeah, a lot of those have getting getting posted on there, and right. some it's really interesting. Um, I'm sure there's some experts out there that could tell you. Sometimes the reels go crazy, sometimes the YouTube shorts go crazy, and then sometimes yep. they don't have any views. And then TikTok though is pretty consistent, you know, multiple views. So right. there's multiple ways to catch it. But you, usually the, the idea is is look at those reels and shorts, and then intrigue you enough to listen to the rest of the conversation yeah well i mean instagram and tiktok i mean that's where that's where they live yes they don't watch tv they don't listen to the radio really it's it's instagram and uh and tiktok tiktok is really kind of replaced tv with the young people and of course i, I do believe we have a facebook as well yes so we got all that all that social media all that covered. stuff is covered and the website of course football 360 show as well so uh you know, things getting ready to gear up. Is Matt selfies himself? No, that was a picture of you. Was that a picture of me? Uh-huh. Lovely, lovely. Because I'm, I'm, I got, I just spent an hour in, in hair and makeup. Too. Well, so that that's something too. I think a lot of people like where we shoot this show is like it, it's a professional studio. Oh, yeah, we're in a you know multi million dollar building. This is bales of hay. You know? yeah, this is a legit studio. We have producer Joe. It's in the other room. He's yes. working hard, looking at us in here, and oh. uh, yeah, steering us down the right path. But I think. That's what's pretty cool about this is this is not a uh, fly-by-night deal like it's it's you know you and I are I'm sitting on a couch eating pizza. Yeah, in, in the middle Nothing of a studio in the middle of Chesterfield Valley. It's got a lot of technology in it. It's a really neat building. There's a, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. You never know what kind of car you're going to see when you walk into this place. There's a you never know a Lamborghini sitting out there uh, at the truck, and then I don't give out information like that. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> but cool. I will say this: it's hard not to notice the it, high-end vi- vehicle. It is pretty wild, and yeah. then make you reassess your life and be like, "Huh? Yeah, they're not talking uh, football. Yeah. yeah, why are these guys driving all these really neat cars? Right, so, right. But yeah, I think it's a you know, it's we probably haven't talked much about it, but the studio is really neat, and uh, we're really blessed to be in here and be a part of it, and and. Uh, get to shoot the show and and uh, absolutely 
and and do this each week and, and bring some knowledge to the to the people. Absolutely. Although if you're gonna do it from your basement, you know, more power to you. That's that's good as well. So uh biggest thing going on football wise, I think, is is the ruling against the NCAA regarding the NIL. Yes. And uh I mean, you know, we've said it before about it being semi pro football. Well now it really is because if there's not, is the NCA on its way out? Are, I, I are they not going to the be the governing? Absolutely. Yeah. Are they not even going to be the, the governing body of it anymore? Because they, what power will they have? Well, that's what I was saying. You know, five years ago, I kept saying to people, I was like, it, it's this is the beginning stages. The, the NCA is going to be gone. I mean, they may have some new iteration. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is they're becoming powerless, and the control and what they did was being the governing body and really the policemen um, the of, big, of all The of ability them. to punish people was mm-hmm. their big thing. Yeah. And it's interesting to see that. And, and I've, I've thought about that, you know, that Missouri was in a unique position because of like some of the laws that Missouri had enacted regarding NIL and then the interaction between the school and the kids and, and what when kids could get paid and all of that. But I, I got to be honest with you, like at some point, We'd be very naive not to think that this is just going to be, you know, you know, it's not going to be exclusive to college athletes. High school athletes have every much of the right, right? Because you start thinking about yeah. like, from the legal perspective, you know, Misha, what, what, you know, the guy, or, or, or in Illinois, what, what power do they have to say a kid can or not can't profit from their own name, image, and likeness? Right. And the reality of it is, is what the government just ruled is, uh, you know they're they're still gonna hear the case, but basically they put a stay on it, and they're not going to be able to say, "Hey, you guys are in a position to you know tell people what they can and cannot make." Because usually when the government gets involved, they do not like people restricting commerce, and that's what this is all about, right? And so you start restricting you know free commerce, and the antitrust laws get involved. It's a much bigger scenario than what, um, you know, just playing football, right? And so, you know, the antitrust laws, I, you know, I'm no expert on it, but do know enough about it and read enough about it to know that, you know, as you start to look at, you know, younger athletes, just like, you know, and the argument was always made, you know, why can a young musician ta- be talented and then profit from their, their music? And, and why can a young actor benefit from their music, right? But an athlete doing their art form cannot benefit. Right, and so I know there's that that strong line between amateur athletics and and, and um, professional athletics, but the reality of it is, is they are professional athletes in college now. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Well, yeah, and when the whole NIL deal first broke, I saw people trying to do it with high school kids. Oh yeah, and, and I I was like, well, how's this going to work, and who's going to want this unknown high school? Because yeah. I'm talking about it started. I saw it with some eighth graders. Yeah. Because people want to make money, people are always out there trying to do stuff, and and so somebody came along to this these young kids, and they're like, "Hey, I got an NIL deal for you." Okay, well, who knows what it is? You know, was mm-hmm. it just like, you know, uh, just like all the all the burgers you could want at, at Bob's Burger Barn, or what? Yeah. What are you offering these eight, you know middle school kids or high school kids? And kids, you know, and but see, the tough thing is now is, is you have, and it's a world. The world is so different because. You have kids that legitimately have not done a whole lot, but done some cool things online that are profiting from that. Yeah. Right. So you take Baby Gronk as an example. 
he is, you know, he's very annoying when you watch some of the stuff that he does. It's very contrived. It's been proven that his father is involved behind the scenes pulling the strings, which is a whole other story for another day. But you feel bad for the kid. But he is he is clearly profiting from an athletic standpoint, right? I mean, yeah. And, and so it's not unthinkable that someone's going to sign him to an NIL deal, not meaning he's going to be a great football player long term, but the notoriety and the, and the fame that he already has – He's profiting from it. And yeah. so I, I just think, um, you know, this world that we're in is, is fast evolving. People are trying to figure it out. And I, I'll tell you a story that I, a, a real world scenario I had with the kid just the other day. Um, he's playing a local athlete, playing on a, and we've had a number of kids go do this. They go play on a national seven on seven team in the, in the off season. You know, we have plenty of guys that have played on our Midwest boom national team. And I can tell you this. Short of Adidas just covering the travel to get out there for all the athletes, that's it, right? They're not paying them money to play. They're not doing that. They're just going and playing that weekend and, and, and seeing if they can win or not. Um, but there are teams that are paying kids to play 7v7. And so I said to the kid – There's going to be more of that. I just said to him, I said, hey, listen, have you signed anything? You know, he's like, oh, no, I don't think I said anything. Or I said, well – you know, you got to be careful because, you know, you know, you're, you're still young, so you can't legally sign, you know, you're not 18, but you know, if someone signs something on your behalf, you know, a legal guardian or a parent, you know, there's, there's such thing as clawbacks. There's things where we've seen instances where athletes have signed something to get a short term nominal amount of money, like 10 to 15 to $30,000. And then there's stipulations and fine print tied to that money and that what they gave them, right? Very few people are going to give you something for free of, of great value and then re- expect nothing in return, right? So these guys are, you know, going touring around. They're getting paid to play 7v7 in the offseason. And the issue becomes, what did you sign your name to? What is that involving? What, what are you doing and why are you doing it, right? So at the end of the day, I think that's a really tough scenario, because um, a lot of times kids don't know, the families don't know, and, and they think these people are acting on their best, um, you know, interest. interest when really they're acting on their own self-interest, right? And so they're trying to dominate that market with the this young studs and getting them through, you know, 7v7 football. And unfortunately, I think, you know, and they do it at some of the larger institutions that are the national level high school football teams. I know for a fact there's, you know, a $70,000 education is free and they claw money back because they're tied to an agency. When you get to the pros, there's a way to get some of that money and re- you know recoup some of that money. So I people just need to be very careful. And you know my advice would be is always have a lawyer look at it and read it over because if you don't, I mean, you sign it, you're, you're of age or the person that signs on your behalf, the legal guardian or whoever it might be, you, you can really – Put yourself in a predicament from an earnings perspective down line. No kidding. Which is sad that we're even having that conversation, right? I mean, yeah. Just unthinkable. But again, who is going to give you that amount of money or that favor and all those things and not expect something in return, right? Yeah. And they're not a major corporation. A Nike, Adidas, those guys, yes, they may bring you in for the weekend. They use the photo shoot. They're doing that. That's part of a marketing campaign that's written off as a marketing expenditure. Nothing other than the free gear you get, there's nothing really exchanged, right? 
that other side of the coin where they're asking, they're giving you hard dollars. I mean, that is a, a, a very tricky world to live in. And I think a lot of people are just naive to it because it's not, no one's really been through it at that level, right? We talked about it. You know, when they go to the NFL, there's rules and parameters set with agents. Like there's rules about what they can and cannot do and when they can do it. So I just think people need to be very careful. Not that every athlete in high school is going to be in that, in that scenario. I mean, that means you're an elite level guy if you're in that scenario. But you definitely got to uh, you got to be careful. Yeah, I mean, you, so do you see the seven on seven just becoming uh, agents and attorneys and corporations? Uh, I mean, I think it'll be. I think it's an. I think it's a, a a perfect venue to get gain access in the off season to kids because in season you can't do it with the high schools. It's too close knit with the high school coaches. When this when the off the beauty of football is is that. You have these long training cycles and you have a short season. But the tough thing is is that you have this long off season where the kids are away from their team. They're still at school and doing stuff, but they're doing other things and they're not with their team. And that makes it – I think that's what makes it problematic. Right. And so I, I could very well see, you know, seven-on-seven seven being the main way that they get access. And it's a lot of the skill guys, right, the quarterbacks, receivers, defensive backs, running backs. That's <clears> who they want, big-name guys. Yeah. I mean, so. that's some of the national ones that you talk about. That's who that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are, 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 it is people that are, you know, agents, attorneys, you know. Well, and these kids, like we, we, we have them on our team when they're, you know, seventh and eighth or eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and then, you know, are going into their senior year. And then suddenly the ones when they get all these offers, they're the ones that – it's like the rite of passage. Like, oh, I've been selected to come do this. And, yes, that's great because they're trying to assemble the best kids. But, again, take a huge step back and ask yourself, why would they give me all this free stuff? What is in it for them? Am I just that good? Do they just want to be associated with me? Usually there's a give and take, in, 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 you know, whether it's an NIL deal for marketing, right? Like, you know, there's – Brady Cook has a deal with Emo's Pizza. There's money being exchanged, but they also get to use his likeness in, in, in videos and commercials and pictures and social media posts. So it's a win-win for both, right? There's recognition on his front. He brings some you know, cash aid with himself. And then they obviously are trying to sell pizzas and, and, and other food. So I think that's a win-win, right? That's, that's very obvious that they're doing that. And that's, they do it all the time. Joe Montana's you know, still selling Skechers sneakers on uh, you know on on his you know Super Bowl ads and things yeah, like right. that, right? I mean, you know, so pro athletes and college athletes now, there's nothing wrong with guys you know using their information and and, and their likeness to to sell products, but on the flip side, what are you selling when you're going to a seven v seven tournament and someone's paying you money or going to a showcase camp or going to, you know, who knows what, what else is going on. But that one just comes to mind because you see it pretty, this time of year, a lot. Yeah. And it started happening about two years ago. It did. And I have not seen any major benefit for the players who have gone and played on the national teams. None. Have you? No. No, because what are you going to gain? You already got the offers. Like, you're, like, other than playing with other guys that you might go to school with, um, but again, I've not seen that really be the case either, you know, but I think, you know, from that perspective, like getting on the national stage with the OT7 tournaments and things like that, like, you know, maybe there's some name and image likeness stuff there. And maybe there's just just building your brand 
right? Getting to get on TV, but you know, I don't. But see, is it, are they getting on TV? I, I mean, mean I know that, I know there are guys YouTube. that are going on. Well, yeah, it's on it's on a YouTube broadcast. But yeah, OT7, to my knowledge, like what they're doing is that, that, that those events are very made for social media, right? And and, and YouTube. So, so is there a seven on seven channel on YouTube? There's an OT7. Is it really? Yeah, there's a okay. they, where they where they broadcast their events. So and then and then you go and they have announcers. They have, I mean, it's a really well done production, but it, it's made for, you know, taking pictures and that's and where all the shorts. best shows are. Yeah, on YouTube. So ours is. That's what so, I'm saying. Yeah, right. That's what but I'm but I think. It's it's changing fast. There's a lot of sharks out there. There's probably some very well-meaning people. I mean, I mean, I know some guys that do nil, some attorneys that are just just good guys that are that, you know professional attorneys that understand how the you know legal system works and how to protect their clients from getting taken advantage of. I think there's plenty of those guys out there, but I think at the same time, you know, it's not like the NFL with the players' union where they where they can protect. Like, you know, when an NFL player gets a contract. I mean, I've witnessed this. Guys, I've had guys sign, believe it or not, sign their NFL contracts in my living room, my, my, at my dining room table before, right? So um, I've, I've been involved. I've seen it. So what happens is those guys get that contract. They sign it. It goes to the NFL PA. They overread it to make sure that there was nothing put in there that shouldn't have been put in there according to their rules, right, and, and, the, and their, and their uh, collective bargaining agreements. So like they double-check to make sure as well that it fits the parameters. That's not going on with high school and college athletes, to my knowledge. The, NF, the, the NCAA schools supposedly are supposed to check through the deals, but I would be willing to bet that their legal teams are not fully up to speed on everything that needs to be going on because this is very new to them as well, right? Unless they're bringing in new legal staff, right, to, to operate it. Well, I mean, look, they're losing power as we speak, Yeah, you know? Uh, and their response to trying to, to gain power back is they want to go to Congress. Mm-hmm. They want the, the federal government to back them, it, you know, give them the iron fist to, to you know, bring it down on, on these kids wanting to make some money. Right. And and so the tough thing is going to be is, is like at the end of the day, like if you're making money on it, the government is, uh, is not going to st- like step in and say, hey, this is a bad thing for all of us because it's just, it's commerce, right? They, the, the government benefits from commerce. Like there's tax, those guys are getting taxed, that money's flowing from hand to hand. They get their cut, it's a good thing. Before it was all flowing through the NCAA and I don't know, is the NCAA a nonprofit? I would assume, um, they just like just like uh, the NFL was until about what, eight years ago, they were a nonprofit. So. Um, right before the Rams left, all that stuff, they were still a non, they were operating as a nonprofit entity. So, um, which the government doesn't benefit much from that at all. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I think I know that the NCA finally, what they do, they outlawed the um, the picture taking, and then there's no cookies or any gifts. Uh, what is it? Was it well, cookie, what, cookies what, and gifts like yeah. on beds? You know, what power like, do they have to stop that? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what this lawsuit brought by Tennessee and Virginia have mm-hmm. done. And quite frankly, in an election year, they're not going to support the NCAA. None of the Congress isn't going to support them because mm-hmm. the NCAA is not a popular, you know, governing body. No, they're not. And so they're not going to they're not going to step up and be like, yeah, we got your back. Because every school has been punished by the NCAA yes. one time or the other. And so yep. there's still disdain for them. Right. And. You know, I think people for the longest time too, 
try to figure out like what is their role in this like like what how do they get this grip on these colleges right and like you know i know you probably watched a documentary a long time ago where they started talking about the lawsuit where some young man got hurt and it was uh, very very strategic in how the guy the guy was in kansas city that came up with it the term student athlete right we hear that as like a term of like that's like really good right like but but it actually was a legal term to separate work comp and employment issues with the college so they didn't have to pay for this poor kid that got paralyzed, right? And it was back in the – again, I think he played at SMU. So, you know, those types of things, when you hear that and then you hear, like, how it's been spun to this tale of student-athletes and it sounds so dignified and you realize, like, no, that actually is a, a term that has allowed them to skirt the system and make a ton of money off of athletes over the years makes you wonder. That's legalese. Yeah, very legalese, yeah. 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 So, but I, 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 I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, a, I think, I think I'm not a crystal ball guy, but I think the next five to 10 years, the NCAA is going to look way different or be gone. Oh, 100%. If you, if you want to, if you want to, you know, butt heads against the NCAA, now is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. This year would be the time to do it. And I don't know how outside of government intervention, I don't know how they get it back. Right. And there are some guys in, in Congress, I think that had, you know, pushed the, you know, change some of the rules. But again, you know, it starts getting into legal areas where, well, why would why would you preclude these people from this when everybody day, everyday citizens are allowed to do this all day long? Yeah. Right? Oh, just because they play sports? So I think that's where it becomes really, really dangerous. And, and yeah. so... Uh, it's in, like anything else. Once you let it happen, good luck getting it Yeah, you back. can't put the cat back in the bag. Exactly. So... It's a good look with that. So, and the the baby Gronk thing, I I view him as entertainment uh-huh. and, and an influencer. I don't see him as, you know, a guy who you know scores thirty touchdowns no. and, and 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 people admire him and so hey, we want to offer you this deal. Yeah, the whole influencer thing is just wild anyway. Yes, he's. It'll be curious to see how he does over the years, right? Like how he progresses. Uh, I would. My guess is it will be. He's overgrown for his size, his age. Yeah. And some of the video and some of the stuff he does is actually pretty good for his age group. Like, he actually can play football. Mm-hmm. But then you watch and you realize, like, yeah, he's just a grown man playing against a bunch of kids. And then, as we've talked about, 16, all that stuff starts to even out. And you start to realize, like, that's the guy versus that guy used to be a guy. Exactly. You know, That's why it's hard to get too up about somebody who's the, you know, six, five, eighth grader. Yeah. You know, who can do all this. Now, a lot of times you do have guys like that. Like, I remember Coney Ely. I remember seeing him in eighth grade, and he was already six four, six five, and playing football and could just, you know, drill the ball the length of the court from one end to the other and dunk it. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's pretty impressive. That's going to be hard to lose. That school, the, that. those skills will appreciate. The, yes. the, the guys that you're really wary of are the guys that are – uh, got facial hair yeah. or, or starting to look more masculine in the face, a little Take bit more mature, soon. and they're in like seventh or eighth grade. Right. Those are the ones that, that typically do not um, end up panning out. Like, like they, just, they just don't. And so that doesn't mean that they can't be a good high school football player. Right. But, you know, there was a guy who was an inter- talking about internet sensation. Cody Paul was his name. He was a running back. And he was one of the first guys to kind of blow up really big. He was a running back back in the day, and I, I forgot where he was from, maybe Texas. And he absolutely, his brother put his highlight film online, and it just caught fire. And this kid was really good and dominant. And then, you know, he got to high school. The problem is he never got taller than 5'6". 
Mm-hmm. I think that's somewhere in that range. Yep. And he had a really had a really decent high school career, but was over recruited because of his size. And um, he's kind of one of those guys, though, that that kind of fell by the wayside because people lost interest because he wasn't he didn't go to a big college. He went to like Shadron State, and he did well. He actually mm-hmm. did really well um, for his size, and, and and he was a hard runner. But then they like you juxtapose him to like Danny Woodhead, who was there at the same college. And their stats were just totally different. The guy that got to go to the NFL was just a totally different creature than a guy that was just a really quality high school and then a quality college player. Right. And I don't know that people quite understand like how different those NFL guys are. Like like one of the guys we're going to have on the show, Michael Neese, he's back. He's a, he's a, uh, a lineman with the uh, Detroit Lions. And you, you can look at him in our facility. He's over there doing like skipping and, and doing sprints and, and snapping balls. And if you ask someone, you go, hey, what do you think that guy weighs? They're like, oh, 265, 270. I'm like, no, he's 305. His body looks different, yep. right? And he moves differently. But he looks like he is 265 and he's 305. And he, and he runs like he's 265, but he's 305. And I think that is one of the toughest things for people to quite – like they don't quite appreciate how athletic those guys are and how big and strong they really are. Because they all look the same on the field because they're playing against guys just like themselves. So, but yeah, he's he's one that is is fun to watch because he is a hard worker and um, he definitely does not look like a gigantic guy. And then he's you, a get, good clo- guy you too. get close to him and you're like, yep. oh man, he's good size. So, yep. but he's extremely athletic. And I think that's the thing. Everybody in that league is athletic. Every single one of them. Like they are all uber athletes. So, and that's that's why they get paid. Yeah. They get paid and get to extend their careers in the game. Yeah. I mean, pe- people don't understand the difference between a quality or good high school football player and somebody who's a college prospect either. And you, you see that all, all the time. You know, highlight films, everybody looks good. I've, I've rarely seen a bad highlight film. Some guys do put bad highlight films out there, but you rarely see those. You know, and so you have these computer screen scouts who want to write information and stuff on. By the way, if you're going to write stuff about kids, know the geography of the state. That's always helpful. Mm. If you if you it makes you look really stupid if you don't know where certain towns are and what part of the state they're in. But not everybody understands, you know, the difference of of what it takes to be separated from being a good high school football player or even a a superior high school football player, but that doesn't mean you're a high-level college prospect. And people get that confused all, all the, time. the time all the time there's certain attributes you look at kids like so when you and i are, are talking about kids size comes into a, a, the factor right that that's definitely a, a an issue like that that has to be spoken about because there are certain sizes and then speed parameters you know movement parameters that colleges put on their groups that they know that you're going to fit in into there right um you know, it's very rare that you're, you're going to be someone that's too far outside the norm that they're going to accept in because they're just, they just don't have to. They have too many other people they're going to find that fit those parameters to bring in. And and it's, you know, you don't see a lot of guys that don't that look very different from each other in position groups, right? right. Like all the linebackers look pretty similar. Yeah. All the D linemen look fairly similar. I mean, the edge guys look similar. The interior guys look similar. Your guards, your tackles, they look like them, they, their position groups look like guards should look and tackles look like they should look. Um, you know, I think it, that's the hard thing is, is that sometimes it is very aesthetic, right? But it's also the aesthetics are, are proven 
in the game to predict kind of how guys will play. And so, like, you could be a really good high school football player and statistically do very well and not be a great high school or be a college football player. You could, oh, like, you could definitely be a guy. You could set state records and not be, you know, you could be the all-time leading rusher of a state, not be a, a, a college football player. 100%. And that's happened a lot over the years. I don't think people realize that. Even though your average fan will be like, oh, this you got you to see this guy, you got to see this guy, which is why I like to see people in person. I like yeah. to see them in game. I like to see the totality of a game. I like to see them work out. I like to see them, you know, train. I like to see, I like to look at the entirety of it to make a the best possible, you know, judgment on that person as opposed to showing up on a Friday night or even worse, looking at their highlight film. Because I got to tell you, you're it's, right. <clears throat> you can go watch people's highlight films and and sell yourself in believing, like, my God, this guy's really good. Unreal. Yeah. Okay. My trick I like to do is, and I know some college coaches do this as well. I watch the first, you know, say 30 seconds to a minute, and then I skip to the very end, right? And if the, if, if the quality of play is already slipping on their highlight film, then you know the rest of that, you know, their game film is probably not as dialed in as you would think, right? And so, you know, what are they doing when the ball's moving away from them? What are they doing, you know, when, when, when things don't go their way? All those things, and you can see that when you're watching it live, right? Yes. It's very easy to see. What are you doing when you're not the focal point of the offense right. or defense? Right, and so, so many kids and, and, and a lot of adults, you know, parents believe, like, hey, this kid's a guy, right? Like, yep. this guy is a guy. You should see him. He dominates every Friday. Well, when you get to college, every one of those kids was the guy that dominated on Friday. But I would argue most of them dominated at a different level, right? And even if they weren't the guy that was like the guy that stood out so much that you're like, oh, that guy is the best player, mm. there's some attributes that he has that the other kids don't have that will eventually come into – that's why he's projectability, right? And you project him to say this guy's going to fit here, right? And so I think – uh, you know, watching the game and being a fan versus being someone that evaluates talent and 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 builds talent is it's there's there's a major chasm between that, and I think that uh, you know um, there's a lot of experts and a lot of people think that this is a great easy way to watch kids. You know, like go 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 to a Friday night game and they won by 50 points. Okay. But who'd they play? Like, well, that's like, it. Like, like, like who's, who's the competition? Yep. Like, like, what are they doing? You know, from a quarterback perspective, I'm looking at how accurate are they, right? Because accuracy is everything that will carry you through the entire your entire career. You know, judgment obviously is another huge component. Does he panic? Does he just take off outside of the pocket? And does he make good reads? Right? You don't necessarily need to know what the play was. You need to see guys throwing balls because like, I see a lot of times guys will thread balls um, and you're like oh it's a great throw well, well in my mind that's a late throw that's probably at the next level is, is going the other way right so guys that are or guys that are just you know I, I go back to watching um, guys highlight films and you, and you look like Drew Locke was a guy if you watch his highlight film in high school predominantly a ton of deep balls they were running a lot of wheel concepts out of the slots and they were just chucking the ball deep right like a very good strong arm but what as you as you start to progress and you look at that, and he's a hell of a quarterback in college, right? Did did a great job. But if you look back into his film, I remember watching him because there was a ton of hype around him. 
And so, you know, which is ironic, later in this season, he had a huge two plays where he chucked the ball deep down the side to the edge of the field. If you go back and watch him through his career, that was his money. That was where he oh, yeah. made, that's where he made money, right? The issue is, is as you get to the NFL, you have to be able to drive that ball to the middle of the field. I listened to a thing the other day. Kurt Warner was talking about um, Drake May, uh, Caleb Williams, and one of the other top oh, – oh, uh, Michael Penix. And he was talking about how he analyzed them. And he, his point was there was a lot of quick game, right, in the college that you see that you do not see in the NFL and a lot of the little quick screen game as well that you do not see in the NFL because those guys are too disciplined. They blow it up. He's like, they do not throw the ball very well intermediately down the field. Like, they don't. Like, he's like, watching these guys, they are going to struggle if they don't learn to pick that up. I would argue those are things that should have been learned in high school and then should have been pressed in college to help develop those guys. But again, the guy that's on the other side of the sideline, you know, making $20 million or 15 whatever Lincoln Riley's making, he's the king of running bubble game and, and throwing quick stuff and running, like, quick reads, Right. Some of that stuff they do do in the NFL, but that's not how they, that's not how the primary um, focus of the offense and the primary mover of the chains, right? And so um, I think th those guys, some of them, as, as we've d devolved in the game, th these guys are really good show ponies, but they're not as accurate as you think they are because once they get beyond 10 to 15 yards, it's, it drops drastically. And if you're an NFL guy, you should be accurate up to 25, right? Right. And, and I'm talking accurate driving the ball, edge of the field, middle of the field, all Making those all throws, throws, right? Yep. And so that starts when they're, they're young. Yep. It starts when they're young. You, you can tell who the accurate throwers are and the inaccurate throwers. You can tell who the guys that rely on having really good receivers and the guys that don't have great receivers that, that really have to put the ball where it's supposed to be. Right. And with, with Drew, like I first saw Drew as an eighth grader. Right. And so I was still mm -hmm. at scout.com. And so I had him, I went through the top player in every class. Drew was the number one guy. Mm -hmm. So he was that guy way back then. He was that guy as a ninth grader. I did his first interview with him and was very nervous. It was funny. Like you show me. I see yeah. Yeah. Skinny, yeah skinny, skinny little guy. Right. You know, wasn't physically developed yet, but he had that ability. And that is really something. And you can tell that when they're young, Carson Boyd, another guy mm -hmm. like that. I was just going through stuff and Carson Boyd came to the elite combine as a seventh grader. Right, man, he might have been the most accurate quarterback back then. Yeah, he, his ball placement—he could put the ball any place he wanted on all, all, every throw that there was. And that is the difference between a good quarterback and an elite-level quarterback. Yes. Accuracy is everything. And I, I will say that is like when our style of training and how we train our quarterbacks—the pretty much the entire focus is hitting what you're aiming at, right? We're incessant about where their eyes are. We're incessant oh, about there. where their feet yeah. are. And it's just a beating of the drum. And you start to watch, right? And you can see, I will tell you, there's a couple of seventh graders we got right now that you watch them throw when they're with the high schoolers, and you're like, oh, he's just as accurate. No, he's more accurate. He's yeah. more accurate, right? There's eighth graders that are really accurate. You got a really good group of young quarterbacks. There, there are some really You've good ones. You've got some really good. Yeah, and I've and stood there and, and, and observed. <laughs> you got some really good seventh and eighth. Seventh and eighth grade, and and then then you look at like that group that's the seniors this year, the rising seniors. They were that was that group a number of years ago yep. that are very good, very accurate, um, but they've worked at it. And accuracy is a perishable skill. Like you have to continually work on it, right? And it, 
it it works like you can get rid of half the errors in a game by just being able to keep your eyes where you want the ball to go, right? We're not talking about staring a target down. We're talking about taking dead aim and throwing the ball and hitting hitting the guy exactly where we're going to hit him. Like so years ago we had a 7 on 7 uh tryout. This is like I don't know, 8 9 years ago. And we had some guys from Chicago were down. So we went afterwards, we went to eat. I'd never met, I knew only knew two of the guys, the other five guys that were there evaluating kids. I didn't know them. So we're eating eating lunch and this guy like barbecue. Barbecue. I was there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he says, he looks at me, he goes, Hey, uh, like what's the deal with all these quarterbacks here? So like again, I'm then I'm gonna get like get like what are you gonna talk about our quarterbacks? You know, like get, right. like yeah. he's like, Man, that was crazy. He's like in Chicago we had like fifty quarterbacks trout. He's like, Here, you guys like, had twelve. He's like all 12 were better than all the 50 we had there. He's like, it was not even close. So he had a question. He said, and then finally I, I said, oh, well, I, I work with the quarterbacks. And so then we started talking about it. He's like, well, how do you teach them to throw back shoulder fades? And how do you teach them to throw those? Because there was like a drill where they were doing fades and our quarterbacks were eating it alive. Yep. And I looked at him and I said, oh, we don't even talk about throwing back shoulder fades. Like, I mean, we, we do, but we don't train that into them. We, we, we put them in scenarios where they're looking at something. So, like, if a defender overplays it, they put it to the back. If the guy underplays it, put it over the top, right? The guy gets him, beat him over the top, throw it into the hole, let him run to it. So it all is about what presents itself. So what whatever the quarterback sees is what he throws. And so that all goes back to the— And that's better, don't you think, in real-time situation right. as opposed to you standing there trying to go through that drill. Right, and so your brain is just simply reacting, but mm -hmm. then the, then you take it back a step further. If you don't have the footwork, it does not matter what your brain sees, right, and your footwork eyes see. Footwork so important. I was just thinking about that the other day as I was evaluating guys, how yeah. important footwork is. Oh, it's huge. I mean— it's, it's there's so many bad habits that you see online too. Like, I mean, my, our quarterback coaches, we have six quarterback coaches now and guys will send us, you know, we'll send each other messages about watching and it's so prevalent, all the different, everybody's an expert online. And, you know, the sad thing is, is I see so much stuff that over the last 24, 25 years, I've, I've, I've learned those mistakes. I know that you don't want to do that. And you see people like you're just pushing these, these, these bad techniques and things that they think will work that that don't work and and it's it's sad because you know those ki a kid's going to learn that and that's going to be how he throws you know through puberty and into the, into high school and he probably won't shake those bad habits and 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 the problem is it's simple things that could be corrected and they're not going to correct it when you get to high school they're not going to correct it when you get to college they'll find someone else that knows how to do it right and you can have the strongest arm in the world you can have pretty good accuracy you don't have the good footwork it's not going to translate well mm -mm. you don't have the technique you don't have the good footwork it's you'll do well in high school probably but it's you're not going to keep going up to that next level oh there's tons of kids in high school that are really good high school football players sure. or quarterbacks yeah. like re really good like serviceable right. guys and people wonder why that well why didn't they get mizzou and illinois and everybody offering them just watch the film, right? <laughs> but that's the problem. You're not watching the film through the lens of someone that knows what they're looking at. Well, you're so, not watching the totality of their work. And, and I, you know, a great example is Brady Cook. He's a great example. The number of people that I had to bite my tongue with when he was in high school and then going into college, they people were shocked when he got a Mizzou offer. 
oh, I've coached against him since we were in middle school. He's not that. He's not this. He's not that. Well, they're not looking at what we're looking at. We're looking at something that's going to progress. We know that he's got these skills. He possesses this ability at this age, which then, and he's competitive as all get out. He's intelligent. There's a lot of other things that go into it, but you can start to pick those guys out. And so, yeah, when they asked me about him, I, I 100% said, hey, look, this is someone you need you need to be you know, evaluating and pull the trigger on. And so I think um, there's just a lot of people like that, and there's a lot of kids that can just flat-out play that will never play another down. One, because they might not want to, but two, probably because they just don't, they don't have the skill set to play at that level. So, but you know, as, as it pertains to the, the recruiting, you know, get to different camps so you can see what the colleges see and think about you if, if you have the desire to play, right? Because they're going to help tell you what level you should go to. And, and you know, this is a weird game. You're, you're not in control. Like so many people are so used to being in control of like their, well, I play on this baseball team or I, I go, I, I'm on this basketball team and I do this and all the, you know, all the things the people move around, right? Well, I, well I'm going to go to this seven on seven team if they, these guys do this and these guys are jerks. They're not using me to my fullest ability. Take a step back and, and hear what you're being told by people and, and read the tea leaves, right? Like, hey, maybe you aren't as good as you think you are and you got to work at it. You actually got to train and develop. But if you start to kind of like look look at the pathway of what those colleges are telling you and, they're, and, and you're getting good advice from coaches like, hey, you should do this, you should do that. Oh, good job. You should come back to our camp. Or we have a junior day, come on down or whatever it might be. Those are signs that they're interested. If you go and they don't notice you, it is possible they missed you. Nine times out of ten, if you're really good and what they're looking for, they don't know. 9.9 times out of ten, they do not miss you. Wouldn't you say that's correct? Oh, yeah. Like, they, you don't show up at camps and ball out and then them not no, see No, I, I tell kids all the time that, you know, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And now you have more of an opportunity than ever because even if they don't, if they do miss you, you go to a, a college and then you can always transfer up. Yeah, but I'm not a D2 player. I should be playing at no. D1. You are where you wind oh, up. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are yeah, where I mean, you wind up. That, and but I don't, think that's don't the let that end it for you. Correct. If That's the point. If, that, you, really want, if you really want yeah. to do it, right, you can eat guys' lunch by – it's a war of attrition. So, like, yeah, there's going to be a ton of guys that go to Division One that will never see the field. Right, if you're in a D two and you're getting clock and you're playing and you're starting to put, build a name for yourself, you can leapfrog the guys that, that you did not get noticed. You know that, that they had favor in front of you that went to the D one that maybe were a stretch or maybe someone missed on them, and now you can come in or maybe they're just in a bad situation where they're not going to get on the field. And you've seen it a thousand times. I have too. You have an all American coming out of high school. They get to you know get to the your Division one team. They're this and that. They sit behind a guy that's really good. That kid doesn't work as hard. They become a little stale in the coach's mind. Coach is looking to re replace him and get someone new in there. Yeah, it happens, right? Like, like yeah. it happens all the time. So, um, I I just think you have to be in a position where you are willing. If you really love working and and playing the game of football. If you don't go to the level you think you should go to, you know, and, and you think you really are that guy and you have the desire, then you stick it out and you keep playing because there's never been a better time to rise up and, and, and go to a different level and a different program. Yeah, it's changed. In some respects, you don't have as much opportunity as you once had. Coming out of high school, you probably don't. 
with the transfer portal, you don't have as much opportunity. Yeah. There are guys who are just keep dropping down. But yet at the same time, it works itself out because you do have that opportunity to go into a smaller school and then working your way back up to where you feel you belong or where you actually belong. And, you know, I will say one thing that we've talked about this, we're starting to see a little bit more true activity with high school kids um, that we weren't seeing two, three years ago, right? Because the sixth year, the extra yep. bonus year guys, are this is their last year. They're done, right? I mean, most of those guys are they're done. The vast majority. There may be a few cases of guys that are holding over, but the vast majority are 24 now and they're, it's time to go. Yeah. So, But I think as that regulates and, and as it comes back to normal numbers of kids on teams, right, meaning like – the, the right mix of freshmen, of redshirt freshmen, of, of, of true freshmen, mm -hmm. and then and then sophomores, juniors, seniors, you're going to have those five classes rather than six classes of kids. You're going to have some ability to, um, you know, be re recruited, be, be recruited out of high school the way that it normally has. I mean, just for instance, you know, the last three gr groups of classes of quarterbacks, it's been non-existent for high school quarterbacks getting recruited out of St. Louis. I mean, there's been guys that go play college football but certainly not at the level. Now we have, let's say, six guys that are Division One level. Most of them have offers to go play Division One football. So I think that's a great sign for those guys. But again, that's the five or six that are going to do it. Seven of them maybe do it. There's other guys that are good too that are probably going to have to drop down. And that doesn't mean you can't leapfrog those guys at some point, but you have to be willing to check your attitude and swallow your pride and, and, and go play what's being offered to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also depends on if you take the 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 uh, you know thought process of okay, this is me, this is where I'm at. I've leveled off. I'm good. Or do you want to keep working? Do you you know aspire to to bigger or better things? And that's why I always keep saying you know keep building because you don't want to stop now just because you got an offer. Okay, I'm going to play D1 ball. You know, you got to keep building. What's what's your next goal? What should, what next level do you want to reach? Do you want to start? Do you want to just be a cool backup and get a lot of chicks and have, enjoy the parties? Or do you want to start? Do you want to be all-conference? Do you want to go to the NFL? And those are the guys that really separate themselves. You hit the nail on the head. Yep. I was talking to a senior, a kid that's a junior, going to be a senior next year, so a rising senior. And uh, he's got some offers, Division One offers, and, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep working to see what else what else can come from this, right? And, and mm -hmm. to your point, it's – you know, because when you're in that offer phase and all you want is an offer, all you want is an offer, then you get an offer and a lot of guys just slack off. But then you're like, well, maybe I can get a bigger offer. So that's, you know, there's always that pushing, right? It's no different being in business. It's like, hey, we did this last year. Yeah. We're going to push. We're going to do better next year, right? We're going to do better. Every year you got to improve. And so um, if you're not doing that as a player, the game will certainly pass you by because there's plenty of kids that are going to want to get better than you. And so, right. you know, again, what are the things that you should be concentrating on? You know, so many of these guys are concentrating on what? The end result, which is the offer and then playing in college. I've made it. But they're not looking at what am I doing sleep-wise? What am I doing training-wise from my running perspective? What am I doing from my lifting perspective? What am I doing to learn the game in the offseason, right? What am I doing to better myself as just a human being, like from a faith and, and from a uh, – you know, just a good being a good, good steward, citizen, good yeah. citizen, right? What are you doing in that? Being a better son. All those things, being a better student, obviously, those are holistic approach to becoming a better human being and better football player that will benefit you down line. It will also make you more marketable for when you're doing NIL. If you, you know, they want to deal with 
with good people. So those are things that athletes need to focus on and not be so focused on I need to get the offer, right? If I had a dollar for every time I had someone say, well, why did he get offered when I'm better than him, right? It is a dangerous game to play because you're always going to be unimpressed by the other guy getting the offer because in your mind, you are better than Which, them. by the way, make sure that those are legit offers you have before you announce them. Go ahead. Yeah, that's kiss of death. You want to start offering? You'll, you want to? Yeah. I can tell you. I, that. I will tell you this. I saw a kid last year yeah. um, put out an offer from a school that was a very large, well-respected institution that does not recruit our area. Um, I, you can count on one hand how many kids hold yeah. offers from it. I always know. I'm okay. always, always the red flag goes up. I'm like, huh, huh, that's strange. Yeah. And then you know, I just saw the other day that that young man is still un unsigned, right? Sure. So if you have an offer that's at the SEC level or a Big Ten level, right, and then last spring, and then you had a good senior year, and you still have nothing, right? right. Um, and you're, you know, maybe a little undersized for the position and, and, and just a hell of a high school football player. Right. I think it's hard pill to swallow when you realize that you are not that guy. And, and let me tell you, do yourself a favor. Get to a spring game. Get to a spring practice, right? I got something on that, too. Get to a spring game. Get to a spring practice because you can then see those guys or get to games in the fall. But do not fall into the trap of looking at these guys because it happens every single time. Oh, I'm better than him. They're watching these guys warm up. I'm better than him. Oh, my God, I, can, I could come here and start tomorrow. Wait till you're there and wait till you see how it's different when you're there and you, and you respect it a whole lot more when you realize it's hard to understand. When you're on that sideline, you can easily project yourself doing throwing the ball, catching the ball, blocking, whatever it might be. It all looks the same because they're all similar size. There's a lot of parity. You do not move at the speed they move at. You're a high school football player. You're not moving. You're moving at a speed that's probably better than most of the high school kids. But we shed all those guys off. They're gone. Now you have to move against all the other guys that are just like you, and let's see how good you are then. And that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? But so a question. If you were offered to go to a uh, spring practice or uh, a junior day, something like that, uh, or you have an opportunity to be seen and, and, and actually put your wares in front of people like a combine or a showcase, what, what, should, what would you do? What, would, what do you think an athlete should do? You know, I mean, junior days, if you've never been to a college, you want to just say, hey, I experienced that. That's great. It does nothing for you. It's a meet and greet, right? 100%. I don't know if you've ever seen a meet and greet. Maybe, you know, you'll be at the mall. Hey, you know, uh, Sally here is going to put out an album. She wants to meet you. And, and so you walk by the table, you get the photo, and you shake the hands, and then nothing ever comes of it, you know. That's that's basically what junior day is. It's it's really a, and I'm not trying to knock them. If you're going to go to them, that's fine. But really, it's a cattle call, mm -hmm. right? They want to get a look at you. They're going to shake your hand. Now, I've heard from a lot of guys over the years, they go to a junior day, and I'm like, how was it? What happened? Well, we, they gave us a drink, and we sat there, and we watched a basketball game. I'm like, oh, what did the coaching staff say? Well, I didn't talk to the coaching staff. Or there's 150 that tells kids you, there. That tells you everything. But guess what? They're going to cat. They're they're fishing. They're going to throw out a, a a wide net to try to see what they have. And if they see you, and if on the hoof, they like the way you look, you know, 
They're like, oh, wow, look at that kid. That's a big kid. Oh, he's, you know, he's physically they're developed. He was, yeah. Then they're going to come over and say, hi, how you doing? Are you mom? Are you dad? Mm -hmm. But if you're just a guy and you don't stand out to them physically or they don't know about you and have offered you ahead of time, you, you might just be having a nice trip to a college town and, you know, maybe enjoying a basketball game. So, or as opposed to if there's something you can work towards, find out where you're at, get some actual exposure, of course, that's going to be that's going to be preferential. Okay, and, and a spring game, watch ESPN. Yeah, right. And so the, the <laughs> end of the day, like like the coaches are there to at a spring game or a um, a junior day visit or a game day visit. They have you know most of them have a job to do as well on that day. They have other things they're doing during that time period. Free if tickets. you watch, if you go to them, and there's a guy that you'll you'll see. There's probably five to eight kids there that are the dudes that they're looking at, and, and they're all sitting see, in the same row. They will be together. The coaches are the ones talking to them. They have the they have the hosts around them. They have people around them that are treating them a little differently because they are the guys that that they're really targeting, right? They're the ones that they want to know more. And the other guys are sitting 30 rows behind you. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's just a different experience. And so it, point being is if you have not had a ton of uh, uh, communication or f feel like through your high school coach telling you, hey, they're really interested in you, things like that, you know, just be wary of it. It's a great experience, but I also would not cut your experience short of going and, and being seen, say skipping a combine or a showcase where that data is then going to go back to that coaching staff because you got to think of it in these terms. They don't have any updated data on you since last summer. If you can give them updated data now, right, that, that you've been working and things are looking better and you're a better prospect than you were this time of this year than last year, your odds of being recruited off of that information are far better than showing up and just smiling and shaking hands because short of being a guy that shows up that's a stud already that's already getting you know recruiting attention, you're just another guy that's there. I mean, I hate to say it. That's just the well, way it, it works. It's true. And if you want to impress them, you know, it's not going to be showing up and shaking their hand and, you know, getting a, a, a you know, a, a cup or anything with a school name on it. It's going to be going to their camp. If you have a choice between going to a junior day and you don't have offers from them, are going to their camp, you always want to go to their camp. You always want to be doing something that's going to benefit you and help you develop as a player or show your ability as a player as opposed to just showing up and hanging out, especially if it's far away. Correct. So, yeah, I, I just think that that's a question that comes up all the time. We have parents ask about it. So, like, you know, you can get your name on a junior day list invite. You can get yourselves on game day invite list. It's pretty easy. Free tickets. It's, That's it's, pretty cool, it's, though. Yeah, you can get free tickets. Yeah. You're a high school football player. Uh, you can pretty much get free tickets to most any high school, any college game as a high school football player, especially in-state. Yep. Um, but you can also reach out to other, the other schools <clears throat> and tell them you're a prospect. They they all have a process for signing those uh, tickets up, and then you go in a little bit before – yeah, it's an unofficial, so you have to pay for your own food, things like that. But they can provide you the tickets per NCAA rules. Yeah. And yeah, I, re always, I always remember sitting in the press box up at Mizzou, say, and looking down, and you you know you know you would know where I would know where the the recruits were, and you could always tell who the guys were from just the guys who were just enjoying a free game, mm -hmm. based on the placement, based on the attention and stuff like that. And the guys who were just there weren't getting any attention; they lost interest unless they were just automatically. Tiger fans. It, it it is really a hard pill to swallow though when you get there and you realize and, and so yeah. you can use yeah. it as one way or yeah. the other. You can take it as, oh man, I'm not really this level, or 
you can use it and say, man, this is never going to happen to me again. Right. I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to do all the things necessary to get better. And, and, or acknowledge, small the hard pill and acknowledge, like maybe I'm not the prototypical guy for what they're looking for. If you get there and all their linebackers are 6'2 and you're 5'10", probably not going to overcome that one. Yep. You're just not going to. I mean, and, and you could be the best player ever. Same thing with showing up and take, getting your photo taken and all that stuff. You know, if you're not like everybody else there, then, you know, chances are you're just a friend of somebody who they really like or you just, you know, got so let, mixed up. I'll, I'll give you a quick little story this summer. Um, so this summer, we, I took my little guy the, the last two years or three years, whatever it might be, I think maybe three years, to the Mizzou does a little summer camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. They do multiple. Camp. So yeah, they do one in St. Louis, they maybe one well, in Kansas City, and then they no, do one in Columbia. I'm just talking. All oh, of them are all of them are on campus now, but they do multiple. Well, I'm talking about the little kid ones, like oh, the just like the junior. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is like this the is the ones like that don't count. Kindergarten yeah. through eighth grade. Right. Well, I can tell you though, at the end of it, you will see the coaches walking over to kids that pique their interest. Okay. Well, how do I know it? I watched it. I watched it happen. But what they do at the end of the camp, I always find very interesting. They put all the first graders, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, respective grades. They do a foot race. Let's say it could be, you know, there's probably a thousand kids at the Columbia camp, you know, right? Whatever, however many kids. So 100 kids per grade or 125 kids per grade. They race them in two heats. They pick out the fastest one and then they peel it down to about 20 kids. They're filming it. They know who these kids are. They're starting to identify, no, first grade, second grade, okay. But a seventh and eighth grader, those guys are recruitable athletes in a couple years, right? So they, you can start to kind of pick, they pick who those kids are. They They're pick the fastest couple. Yeah. It is really interesting. Yeah. I've watched it happen. And the coaches, every position coach is out on the field. I don't think that's an accident. Yeah, it's fun. Their families are there. It's a good time. Am I saying it's a recruiting event? Absolutely not. Am I saying that a coach is always a coach no matter where he's at? Yes. He is 100%. Just like you're a scout, wherever you're at, you see a kid. Hey, what do you do? You play football? You know, like It's in us, right, as a coach and an evaluator. So it's just it's something you do. They're doing that even with little kids. Again, if you're not where you need to be in seventh grade and you don't, they don't see who you are, that's not going to be an indictment on your rest of your career. No. But you can motivate you. But you can help yourself by showing up and doing stuff the right way in the offseason and showing up prepared to do that. Because make no mistake, if you're ever at a camp, someone's watching you. And someone's either checking you out and, and wanting to learn more information, or they're writing you off. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Somebody's watching you all the time, whether you're at a camp, whether you're at a game, whether you're training, and they're watching what you're doing when you're not the guy up. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a good way to weed people out. You know, what are they? What are they doing? You might be have a lot of talent and stuff, but I know that I make little notes, and I know coaches make little notes. What was this guy doing? Well, this guy was on standing there just abusing other people. Well, that's not necessarily a character kid. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, you know, you might be hell on wheels on you know when your time comes for a drill, but if you're just a bad person and you're going to show that when you're just standing there amongst other kids or teammates, then that that's going to be detrimental to you. So many kids don't pay attention. They're just unaware oh, of what's going on around. Uh, yes, one hundred percent unaware. We talked about last, I think maybe two weeks ago, being the wallflower and sitting back and waiting. It, it happens at our facility all the time. We do one on ones at the end of our groups, like with the receivers and yeah. DBs. The hungry quarterbacks take the reps. 
They 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 do not wait around. The if hungry linemen do not, too. The hungry linemen. I see the do it the oh, yeah. most are the defensive linemen. Yeah. and it's like, what do you what you you just want to watch? <laughs> and so it is so easy to notice that, right? Yep. And 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 what what I think is interesting too with the quarterbacks, receivers, DBs, linemen, in those scenarios, other kids that are willing to allow someone else to take their reps are not secure in what they're doing. And that's right. part of human nature. I get it. Like some of it's just being uncomfortable and not understanding like, hey, I need to go do that. But when a coach tells you like, hey, you need to step up and do this and you still sit back, that there's something internally in you that does not really believe that you can do it yet. And, and that's something you got to work through as an athlete, right? Yeah. And you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to really focus on the little things that are going to help you Step into that situation because look, you can step in there and throw a duck, or, or run a bad route, or get jammed up, and or drop a ball, heaven forbid, and and then that spills into the second one. Now you don't want to do it again because oh my god, I had a mistake. No, the, the guy is the competitor is going to get right back in there and do it again. And so I think that starts at a young age. That's why kids that train when they're a little bit younger, like middle school age. By the time they get to high school, they don't realize that they're being honed for the moment in time. Dylan Duff, great example on the show last week. He was honed for that moment when he walked out there at Lindenwood, right? I went back and made a little video of it. I found videos of him as a little kid and then the week leading up to Lindenwood, him throwing balls at the facility over and over and over. Then he's at Lindenwood, walks on the field like he owns the joint, confident. People picked up on that. That led to offers. Had a good junior season. That led to more offers. Now he's going to K-State. It, it sounds really simple, but you also have to be strategic when you're younger. If you're not strategic, you're going to get blown out of the water by someone else that is. Yep. That's huge. Uh, 2024, guys, you were talking about that. Offers are still going out. And I said when signing day happened, you know, we're almost in March. Hard to believe we're almost in March. But I said, you know, if you weren't signed, don't panic. More offers were still to be had between mm -hmm. now and the start of, of, of June. Well, offers are still going on. I'm yes, seeing guys still getting to offers. And some, some NAIA schools are going to get some really good players who are going to pan out for them. And yeah. a lot of that has to do with a bunch of the stuff we were talking about here. Last thing before we get out of here, Brady Cook, I identified him based on a seven-on-seven -seven performance as a ninth grader. I don't know if he was just coming into high school or he was already a ninth grader, but it was on his Chaminade team. Yep. And he, exactly what you were saying, the placement on the ball, deep ball. Brady had is like like Locke, yep. great placement on his deep passes. Yep. And that stood out and just the way he carried himself and everything and just his overall skill set. And, of course, I'm sure he was working with you at the time. Yeah, since second grade. There you go. So, hey, you know what else I identified him as at, right around that age? Hmm. That off-season program, our, our force plates, that identified him as well. The guy that runs it came in and said, like, who's Brady Cook? He wanted to know who he was because his power metrics were off the charts as a young kid. His what grade? His, uh, I think he was ninth going in 10th, ninth right around that 10th. Yeah. So yeah. When, when he jumped on those force plates, it identified him as an outlier. Yeah. And I said, he asked, who is Brady Cook? I said, oh, he's a, he's a quarterback. He's, he doesn't have any offers yet. He goes, oh, he will. He's, he is a complete outlier. You, I could tell it based off the, he became a D1 guy in my mind, that, that seven on seven. And then, of course, he came to the elite combine, ran a four, five, nine, 40, vertical jumps, 30 plus yeah. inches as well. 
couple of things uh, you want to say before we get out of here, speaking of the elite combine? Yeah, hey, registration is starting to fill up. Uh, March 9th, Saturday, March 9th is the uh, combine. It'll be from uh, 8 to 1 out at Lou Fuse Athletic in Earth City. Um, definitely start. it's starting to fill up. So we're, we're well over the uh, three-quarters mark. So you, if you're wanting to do it, you might as well want to get in there today. Right? And where do they go? EliteFootballCombine.com. EliteFootballCombine.com. That'll do it. All right. It's been fast. It's been fun. Uh, we will talk to you later. Matt, you, 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 any social stuff, or do we give that out? We, gave uh, it we already gave it out. We're good. You Football360.com. You know already. See you next time.